Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Today, we sit down with Houston grassroots basketball leader, Marlon Lowe. The list goes on of the number of players he's coached that have not only impacted the college level at a high level, but also have gone on to play in the NBA. Marlon is a social media influencer. He is a podcast host. He is a uh, father. He's a husband and just somebody who has impacted the game of basketball at an enormously high level in the state of Texas. So, can't wait for you guys to get to know his story. Here is Marlon Lowe. All right, what up my people? We here, uh, All Access Coaches Corner podcast. Live edition. Uh, we got my man Marlon Lowe, man. I can't even, I can't give a real intro. It, it ain't enough time for it. So uh, hopefully I can pre record an intro and y'all can hear that. But looking forward to get straight to it, man. One of the best um, just basketball minds, minds outside the box to think. And, uh, you know, just one of those dudes that's not afraid to innovate and create and uh, think for himself. So anyway, all that being said, he's done a lot of great things. We're going to get to all of them uh, and then more. So to start out, who is Marlon Lowe, that's the first question. Okay. Uh, first, thank you, thank you uh, for having me, Brian. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited about the platform that you have, man, and everything that you've been doing to grow and keep evolving, man. I think that's important. So, uh, just know that I recognize, and I'm sure a lot of other people recognize, and we appreciate what you're doing, and it, it, it's great to see you moving forward. So, I appreciate, uh, it. I appreciate that a lot. Who is Marlon? You've been there since the beginning, so I appreciate you saying that because I know you don't just give out those kind of words too. So that means a lot. Appreciate that. Oh no, all good, all good. I mean, I think we met with Collin County. I think that's yep. where you read back. They back won. They won. They won. <laughs> I think I was. I think I was. Yeah, matter of fact, you were working with Lucas when I first met you. I don't know. Okay. If you, you know if you remember that. So I came into Lucas' gym. I was taking notes. Maneri was in the gym back then. 
you were a dude in the gym and I'm like, man, and we we linked up. And then ever since then, every time I saw you, you kept evolving. And next thing mm-hmm. you know, you're in this lane. You're in this lane. I'm like, yo, that's the same dude. And we chopped <laughs> you know what I mean? So the next thing yeah. you know, you you one of the dudes in the city that everybody knows that face. Everybody knows that name. So so right. we're gonna we gonna get to all that. My fault. Who is Marlon Lowe? Oh, now good. Who is Marlon Lowe? Marlon Lowe is uh he's a uh, father, a husband, a son. Uh he's a uh, he's a servant, uh a servant of the community, a servant of the people. Um and he enjoys it. Um, not really interested in being a quote unquote leader. I just enjoy serving and being a part of the overall development and growth of those who I, I am uh, in charge of or who I'm up put around. That's who Marlon Lowe is. I love that. I love that. People wouldn't expect you to answer. I like that. Tell me, <laughs> t- tell me about your family. Tell us about your family. I know that's a big part of, of who you are and what you do. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family before we kind of get going into this and in too deep into this. Okay. Uh, well, my family is, you know, it's, uh, I actually got a pretty big family. Um, I got a, a, uh, my wife and we have uh, three sons of our own, um, a, a sophomore, eighth grader, and a fourth grader. And then I have uh, some other children before my wife. Uh, and so we just one big family. We just one big happy family. And we just grow, man. We just team low. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I seen the hashtag. I seen. I seen the missus put the hashtag out. So those yeah. that don't know, we go back. I know the know the family well. I feel like I'm an extended part of the family, and uh, I've coached uh, his oldest son at Lucas Camp myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, go all the way back, like he said, to my early college coaching days, and. I used to joke with, uh, you know, we go on the road recruiting. In JUCO, you can talk to the parents and the families. So I was always in the gym when Texas Pro was playing, and I got a chance to sit next to Mrs. Lowe, talk to Mrs. Lowe. So we got like a real relationship. So I used to always give them a hard time about, you know, being the picture-perfect family. Like when you see that family in the frame, like, man, I want to get that frame because that family is rocking that frame. Like that's their family. For those that don't know, that's their family. But uh, talk a little bit about the gra- the grassroots. I know I just mentioned kind of Texas Pro. I jumped ahead a little bit. But talk about grassroots, basketball, how you got into basketball, even your playing story, your coaching story. How did you end up being uh, in the grassroots lane? And then we'll kind of evolve and talk more about Texas Pro and things like that. I don't know if that's me, B or not, but I think you, 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 we going, you're going in and out a little bit on me. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I got grassroots in 1997, 96, 97. I played a little bit over uh, Central America down in uh, Panama City and things of that nature. But I came back and I was working inside of a gym. And while I was waiting to try to find another job, I started. Uh, I, I was actually a, a, a kind of quote unquote a janitor of a gym. And during the day, they would hoop at night. And during the day, it would be open. And I just asked him, you know, I asked the owner, his name was John Patchell. What's if they need any work in the morning? He said, man, they need somebody to help clean the floors. And so I said, okay, I got nothing else to do. So I started sweeping the floors during the day, you know, sweeping the floors. And uh, I wind up seeing, and during the day, they wound up having some training sessions going on. And I had never seen people train kids before. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's what they do up here during the day? So that was of interest to me. And I saw some people training. I'm like looking at it. I was interested in it. And I was like, okay. Um, so 
with that being said, I kind of found out, um, I kind of asked him about what they do with that. And he, he told me, I started training some kids and then he asked me to help him with this, uh, AAU team that they had back in the days. It was, uh, BCI and YBOA. Yep. So, uh, it was all uh, Houston chiefs. And I started there. Uh, once he, once, uh, the, the facility wanted, he wound up selling the facility and he told me I could carry on the name and keep going it because I enjoyed working with kids. I started getting some kids from uh, A-Leaf and then uh, down in South Park and Third Ward. So it was good for me. And I, that's basically where my humble beginning beginnings began. Yeah. Uh, most people wouldn't even see that's the part I love about this thing, man. You never would have even thought like because most people that meet you at this point, like, you know, you've had real NBA dudes. You've had real pros. So you wouldn't think like, oh, this dude started way back there like this, you know, sweeping floors or helping out like yeah. that. I love the humble beginnings. And it's like that with college coaches, too, as far as maybe a JUCO route, maybe a volunteer route, whatever it may be. You know, so I love to hear that part of the story. Uh, I mm-hmm. wasn't expecting that part. So talk about talk about kind of the, <clears throat> the evolution, right, of of the grassroots. You talked about the beginning. Uh, I, I know there was a point in time where you were an assistant on some teams and kind of working with, and then there was a point in time where you kind of became on your own. And then, they, you know, Texas Pro, uh, Go Texas Pro, that is, taking over, you know, took over for a span of time where you guys had, were the team in the city. And, you know, we can talk about the shoe deals and all that, but we know what that means for, for, for somebody who wasn't in that position to take over that. That's not an easy process to do because – for those that don't know, there were long-standing pillars in the grassroots community in the city of Houston that really probably felt like they were untouchable in a lot of ways, and they couldn't mm. be outmatched. They could, they would never not have the best team. So talk yeah. a little bit about the evolution of Texas Pro, how Texas Pro came about, and then even how you moved from where you were in grassroots to kind of your kind of uh, progression, so to speak, your journey. Well, uh, once I once I left the lower uh, levels, I was um, guided to the Houston Hoops and asked to kind of work over there. So I put a lot of my I went from Houston Chiefs and I changed my name to Team Houston. Um, then what once once you and I met in the gym, I had put a lot of my younger teams who was with Christian James, Kadeem Latin, and those guys. They and Christian Big they went over to the Houston Hoops. So I put those teams in there over to the Houston Hoops, and I wound up doing training for a while with Coach Lucas. Uh, then I was uh, transitioned over to coaching with the Houston Hoops as well. So I coached with the Houston Hoops under Hal Pastner for three years. I was, um, with that being said, I had, you know, Tiny Gallon, Tommy Mason Griffin, Rasheed Suleiman, LJ Rose, and Michael Reese, a lot of good guys, good guys, Keith, uh, Keith, uh, um, man, I forget, forget Keith's name, golly. And so uh, it's going to come back in a sec, but uh, I wound up leaving there. Uh, through with the Houston Hoops with the blessing of Hal and I wound up getting my own program under Nike as well which was called Texas Pro so we started um, started Texas Pro uh, did that for quite a while and had some pretty good teams with Daniel House uh, Isaiah Austin Daniel Moutier um, Terrence Ferguson Jalon Hornbeek uh, man Chicken Nose Chance Allen Branford Jones we had some really good teams really good players on our team and um, we just we just we made some noise across the country. With that being said, no doubt. It, was, it was fun. It was fun. Um, then uh, uh, 
just, you know, jumping into it, it was a lot of things that went down on a national level with things that started going down with grassroots basketball where different uh, three-letter words got involved. So I wound up going to Adidas for a while. Um, and it's kept Texas Pro, had Jared Allen with that group. Jeez, uh, we had to manage a bunch of, play, bunch of players, man. But uh, Isaiah Taylor, that was yep. with uh, from Texas. And Chandre Jones, a lot of guys that's overseas. Caven Gilder Tilbury, Caven Gilder Tilbury, Galen Robinson from uh, yep. University of Houston. Yep. Um, so it was good. It was good. Um, then once I left, I, I closed Texas Pro down, shut that down, and I kind of went into a merge, a merge for a year and a half with uh, John Lucas under his JL3 brand. Yep. And I just made another change just recently. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll speak about that if you want to. We won't get to that right now. Let's talk real quick. The Texas Pro progression. So obviously you talked about the Houston Hoops, who was one of the pillars in Houston. And – not in a competitive sense, because I'm. You said you got house blessing, so I'm not trying to be controversial. But mm-hmm. Texas Pro became the place where the pros went, right? It became mm-hmm. what the name was, Texas Pro. And you mentioned Emmanuel Mulier. You mentioned Terrence Ferguson. Um, you know, you had guys from Dallas coming down. Uh, then you had the best Jared Allen from Austin. Uh, you had guys coming from all over, and you've had mm-hmm. multiple guys playing the NBA so just talk about real quick you talk about as long as you want just how did you go from being a, an organization that had players to the organization to come to if you were a player it was basically about relationships uh, I think that's the biggest thing but not just relationships but being able to properly put guys in the right place and helping them to thrive with being who they are and knowing what they do well, find out what they do well and continue to enhance it and put them in position where they can showcase their talents. So with that being said, along with the relationships, it's, it's always been a perfect fit uh, pretty much for, for everybody. And that's 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 how we started. That's how I started at the beginning with just about. And I'll say this, the, the basis of it all has always been about the relationship. The relationship with uh, my peers, uh, family members, adults, parents, and especially the, the players themselves. So uh, those players become adults. They have children. <laughs> they have right. they have friends that right. will rec- they'll recommend and say yes, that's where you need to go to. When they hear you know Marlon Lower or where Marlon is, that's where you need to go because uh, it's it's going to be genuine. It's not going to be about just using you for your talent and 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 throwing it away after that. So. That's pretty much how uh, how I operate, and sometimes I, I, I it's not always the best way to operate in this game by being truthful and honest. But I'm I just I don't know any other way to do it. Right, right, right. No, I had a lot of success doing it. So, last kind of Texas pro question, and we'll shift to some other things. Mm-hmm. A lot of programs in the grassroots circles have had players that have gone on to be pros. A lot of programs have had. Um, kind of the the flashy name players that may even be the highest rated in the city at that time or the state at that time. Mm-hmm. One thing I thought was always, I don't want to say exclusive to only you, but it was definitely a Texas pro standard was it was about winning, right? Like Texas pro guys. And we, we even talk about Nigel Pearson. I was in Beaumont at Lamar 
one of my favorite uh, players. Yeah. Uh, Four-year starter at Texas State. We recruited him like our lives depended on it, Lamar, to stay home. But what a great kid. And, you know, kind of one of those dudes like Galen Robinson. We can go down the line of Shondre Jones, who didn't really get the hype. You had a lot of hype dudes. But at the same time, you had a lot of really successful college players. And the part I loved about recruiting Texas Pro's program is you always knew in a tournament, especially when it came bracket time, Texas Pro going to be playing until Sunday. Like, so we, we schedule some other games and fit some other teams that they're going to be playing, you know. So I think that's a, a, a testament to not only yourself uh, as the leader, and we'll talk about Terrence Johnson. We'll talk about Kevin Woods. We'll talk about some of the assistants you've had in the program in the Marlon Lowe tree, which you do have a tree. I can say that. Uh, we'll talk about that. But talk about how you were able to get these pros that you've and these high-level players and even some of these guys that may not be as appreciated. How did you create a brand that was about winning? Again, it wasn't just about showcasing talent because that's what a lot of people like to do. Let's just keep it real. So mm-hmm. your, your brand, Texas Pro, was about winning and winning championships in these events. So talk a little bit about that and how you instilled that in them. Mm. Uh, okay. First of all, I, had, I, I don't know how Keith skipped my mind. It was Keith Frazier I had out of Dallas also. So for yep. me, Keith was just phenomenal back in, in those days. But um, And Tayshaun Thomas, forgive me. I just get names going on. Um, as far as the brand, Texas Pro, you know, it was uh, branded as far as winners win. You know, that was our hashtag. And even to this day, a lot of those guys repeat that and talk about it. Winners win. And so when they walked when they walked into the gym, the expectations was for them to be the hardest playing team every time we stepped on the court. Mm. Win, lose or draw. Everybody needed to know that, hey, that was a hell of a game, period. And the only way you can do that is by competing and competing hard. And that's our motto. And it was always our motto, and that's the motto that I live by, is going out and competing, playing hard, and, and putting on a show. Now, at the same time, it was always from – I can teach them how to play hard, but I also had to put them in position to help them understand how to think the game so that when they became a college uh, college uh, player, that they were prepared to go in. They already knew the concepts that they were going to be uh, running in college. All it was maybe just some different terminology, but it was on myself and the coaches to make sure that they understood how to play and to think like a college basketball player. So that's what, that's what the, that's what the philosophy is. Yeah. And the philosophy uh, was, was a hashtag that definitely was trending many times. Uh, I love it. I think, I think there's even people that stole it, you know, and I'm not saying you created it, but, there's yeah. definitely a brand that you made it cool to be able to say winners win. And it, it made it became um a mantra and a personality mm-hmm. and almost an aura that's like it was intimidating for other programs. Again, I, I was at the I was at the JUCO level. I got to sit on the sideline with those teams before they play and talk to the coaches before and you know, then I went to the division one level. Then then now you're in the rope community. You got to stay behind the rope and and, and look from afar. But uh, yeah. I got to see both sides. But even on the college coaching side, the division one side, coaches respected the fact that, you know, guys were going to win and they were going to compete. And uh, we didn't even talk about uh, SMU starting point guard, Kendrick Davis, who's another just dog, you know, who, again, one of those guys that, probably underappreciated. Nobody probably th- – in the city of Houston, he was appreciated. But beyond that, they didn't really want to give him his full credit and still didn't even when he went to TCU. And the yeah. kid continues to prove yeah. 
what he's doing. And he just kind of represents a, a long line of guys before him. Uh, and, and Jared Allen, obviously, people knew his talent. But uh, amazing what you did with Texas Pro. I'm excited to see the things that's coming next. Uh, we're going to go to a shift to a little bit of a lightning round. We're going to try to make these one. Okay. And, and let me throw some names out right quick. When you say that, you know, definitely Kendrick Davis, uh, probably pound for pound the best point guard, one of the best point guards I've coached. Uh, Zach Nuttall, the lead scorer is in state right now. I think, he a, I think he had a 35-point-plus game earlier this year, first game of the year. Yeah, yeah. Then you got Jalen D over at uh, TCU. He, got, he think he played his first game tonight coming back. He's healthy. Um, Kevin O'Banner hit, I think, Wichita State up for like 28 other, 25, 28 other. We have some players, man. It's been exciting, man. So, you know, uh, lightning round. What we got? Yeah, lightning round. So we're going to kind of speed it up a little bit. We're going to go one minute answers. I'm just going to get your thoughts on a bunch of different topics and then we'll just kind of go from there. But the first one is just the state of uh, basketball in the state of Texas. State of basketball in the state of Texas, uh, uh, at a, it's at a high level right now. It's at a high level right now. Me particularly, without any do, uh, uh, respect to my local place, I really like what Dallas is doing right now with his basketball. Um, they're, uh, they're really competitive. They teach a lot. Uh, there's a lot more. There's a lot of accountability there with the coaches top to bottom. Uh, we have some really good coaches in Houston as well uh, and that are accountable and teach players. I just think that pound for pound right now, uh, I like Dallas basketball, but Houston is not far off at all, especially with the talent. It's just about putting them all together, getting everybody collectively together. Uh, when you start talking about going out uh, to to the West area, uh, well, East, you love Port Arthur, Beaumont, uh, then San Antonio, Austin, love it. Texas basketball is good. We got a lot of talent. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, you, you mentioned Houston a little bit. So next question in lightning round is the state of basketball in the city of Houston right now. Yeah, keep it real now. I know the hesitation. We got, we, got, we got a lot of growing to do. We got a lot of growing to do uh, as far as holding holding players accountable, uh, not falling, not allowing them to fall under the the the, the uh, aura of the quote unquote rankings, and let allowing them to be relaxed and you know make them earn what they're getting. Make it be possible so that when they step inside onto the floor and the ball goes up all the hype that they heard around about other people heard about them, that this actually reality when they see it in person. So uh, I think that that's important. Uh, I think that we hype up too many kids down here that we, we, it's okay to tell kids that they didn't have a bad game. If you six, eight and above and you didn't have, you didn't have 11, 12 rebounds. It's okay to tell them like, look, man, you, you didn't do your job tonight. We don't do that. We, we glorify with them having six, six rebounds. And I don't, I don't, for me, that's not acceptable to me, but it's what it is. I think that's part of what, and, and I'm, I'll take a quick time out from lightning round. I think that's part of what made Texas pro great too, though. You know, if you know anything about how you coached, I mean, there was a lot of intensity involved. There was some accountability that was going to happen. It wasn't just going to be, uh, uh, the standard was high. You mm -hmm. were going to have your fun when it's time to, but it was about business in between the lines. And you weren't afraid to tell the really good players, not only where they stood, but to challenge them. And I think that, it was almost, in a in its own way, though, it was almost embraced because it was almost kind of a rare thing, to be honest. Like, it was right. a, it was like looking around, well, I've been on other teams, and they just let me get away with this. But here, like, you got these good players, and they listening, so I guess I got to listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for a college coach, 
you wanted to be able to recruit. We all want to recruit programs. And to be able to recruit a grassroots program that is instilling the same kind of mentality, at least, that a college coach or even a really good high school coach would do. Because, again, let's be honest, grassroots sometimes has a reputation and a, and a history of just, hey, come play with us. We're going to get you these Nikes. We're going to get you these travel bags, this gear. We're going to put you into this camp. And you're going to rock with us, you know. And right. it's not going to be about really helping put the kid in position. So, again, I, I had to take that quick time out. Talk about the state of grassroots in general right now. It's it's different than when 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 you first came in, when you started. It's different than even when you were in your heyday at Texas Pro. What do you think about the grassroots state right now? Uh, grassroots state uh, collectively. Uh, yeah, are we talking about in Texas pretty much still? Collectively, per- period. Collectively, I think I think it's in a good place. Uh, it's a it's about making sure that you find the quality quality guys that can play. I think basketball is kind of evolving a little bit where they want guys that are high character now and can still play. Yep. Um, instead of, you know, uh, people, people see guys like Steph Curry that can really shoot the ball and do well. And he's a high character guy, what they say. So, yep. uh, but you got, you got guys, I think I just, I just enjoy basketball in uh, collectively overall. So I think it's in a good place. It, they've they come out. It used to be tournaments. Now they come out with leagues. They do like round robin formats. Uh, they, I'm just. I think it's in a good place. I think we just got to continue to have the right people and the gatekeepers to make sure that uh, there's accountability across the board for the coaches and for the players, and that we continue to push to push push it forward. Yeah, no doubt. That's great. So going into names, you talked about some accountability. You talked about some of the gatekeepers. Uh, probably the. Uh, gatekeeper of the city of Houston when it comes to basketball at any level, you know, whether it's middle school, uh, NBA is John Lucas, somebody who you're close to, uh, you spend a lot of time with and it is a part of your family. What, what comes to mind when you hear the word John, when you hear the name John Lucas, you know, when you talk about for one minute for lightning round, what would you say uh, about him? Uh, John Lucas is a, he's a creator. He's a thinker. Uh, he's a mover. So that's who he is, and you just got to be able to understand what's important to him. When you understand what's important to him, it's a whole lot easier to function in his uh, in his circle. So uh, you move around like that, and you also got to make sure that you know what's important to you so that you can openly communicate that with him and so that he can help you to right. be able to uh, stay stay in the, in the lane that you're supposed to be in. So, no, no, no. no. Second question on Coach Lucas. What what are you what would you say if you had to say, and you probably hard to put in the words, but what would you say he means to the basketball community in the city of Houston, and not only, uh, just, not, only not only just now, but what he's done, kind of like you said, he's a creator, he's a thinker, he he's mm-hmm. made some things that didn't exist before that now exist, and he's kind of created things. So I'm kind of going back a little bit to kind of your evolution with him. So I met you. You were in the gym, I believe, with Lucas way back in the day. So I'm mm-hmm. going way back there. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't talked to Rossi in a little bit, but I might be tripping, but I think he might have been working out at the time with John Lucas, believe it or not. And I think you were one of the coaches. Maneri was a coach, so there was a lot of heavy hitters in the city of Houston. So anyway, just going back, if you had to sum it up in a, in a minute, what does he mean to the city of Houston as far as what he's done there? All uh- right. 
he's brought a lot. He's brought a lot of uh, basketball to the city. He's brought a lot of more awareness to the basketball to the city. Uh, you're right. Rossi Rossi Karen was in the gym. Him and Richard Law during those times. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, Lucas has brought a lot of awareness to the city with uh, certain camps that he's kind of seen and and and, and kind of wanted to start his own uh, with with tournaments that he's uh, started evolving, bringing bringing in, and started with with youth youth sports. So he does some good things in bringing that to the city and making people aware of what he's going what he has going on, and putting uh, other guys in place. Whereas he has a, a collect collection of guys that travel the country for his uh, for his help with NBA top 100 camp selections. No doubt. No doubt. And so, uh, the bag of ball and cones, that's kind of, that kind of was, a, was a, uh, was a terminology in Houston for a while. Everybody thought they could have a bag of ball and cones and just be John Lucas for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you know, the junior high combine, the, the high school combine and just putting things together that people just, it wasn't really – it wasn't a thing. And now it's a thing everywhere. You know, it used to have to be – you had to go to Adidas or maybe Pangos or whatever it may be. But Lucas just kind of made created his own lane, and I love that part about him. And I'll say you're a part of his tree. He may not say that. I'm going to say that. You're a part of his tree. Now you got to talk about your tree. So, mm-hmm. Kevin Woods, when you hear that name, uh, what comes to mind? What, what's your thoughts on Kevin Woods? as a former Texas pro assistant coach? Uh, loyal guy, man. Uh, visionary, committed, uh, committed to success, works hard, a, a great teammate, and a good friend, a friend, you know, and that's important. That's important. And I just, I love the success and to see what they're doing right now up at uh, Duncanville, yep. where they at. And we keep communication. I think I hit him up the other day, just checking in with him. And it was, I just love hearing, making sure everything's good, even if it's just for a minute. So, yeah, awesome. yeah he's he's a good one. I actually got to, uh, had the blessed, afforded opportunity to work with. Well, you were there at Lucas Camp to work with PV. And then, you know, knowing his older brother, recruiting him a little bit at Lamar. And mm. his dad uh, got to work with, with PV, with Micah kind of one-on-one. So I was driving from Plano. So if anybody knows this, this distance to Duncanville at five in the morning to get there at six, to get there yeah. before school. And guess who's opening up the school every time? Kevin Woods, you know, and I got yeah. a different side. Kevin reached out when I was in between jobs. I saw him at an event and he was just, he just grabbed me. and was like, man, we got to talk. Let me tell you my story real quick. And he just went there, you know what I mean? And went there and was real. And he was just made himself available. And, and right thereafter, that, I ended up working with PV. And to see his grind in the morning every day to get up, get there, and to really talk basketball, sometimes with, with grassroots, especially non-head coaches, let's call it what it is. You know, you're the guy who most people talk to at length. You don't talk to the assistant grassroots coaches as much at length. You talk to them kind of to get some information, you see how they're doing. But um, and he's been a head coach where I've talked to him before, so I knew him, but I didn't know this side of him. So it was awesome to see him in a place where he is so detailed, so uh, so about the game, such a so, so into his craft, right, and so into these guys and figuring it out. Like, he, yeah. he, he's in he's he's passionate. I'll tell you a quick story on Woods. When he uh when the first couple of years we the first thing was the first year he came with me right so he's in the gym and he's getting on these kids and he's getting on them 
And they, you know, he's charging them up. And this was our second practice. And they was, I'm like, man, whatever. But, and he told me, he said, hey, man, if y'all ain't going to work hard, either, you know, he pointed at me and say, I'm going to probably have to leave or do something else. But I'm just telling you, this is who I am. I'm not changing who I am. I expect a lot. And there's accountability. And I just walked up to him. I said, hey, man, if we need to get some new kids, then we just going to get some new kids because you're not going anywhere. Yep. So that's how I did. He showed his passion, man, and I'm, I'm right there with him. So, yeah, it was good. I love it. Yeah, he still has that same passion with uh, Coach Peavy and Duncan. But one of the best teams in the country, period. They've become a national program at this point in time. Uh, obviously, yeah. Jemias Ramsey recently got drafted uh, and is a pro, played there, won a state championship. They went to the state tournament last year, weren't able to finish because of COVID. Um, mm. and, and his son, Micah Peavy, is now a freshman at Texas Tech who has a chance to be in that three-letter uh, three-letter league as well. So they're continuing to put out high-level dudes, and shout-out to those guys. So we're going to shift to another member uh, of your coaching tree, uh, recently named head coach at a Division One school, uh, Terrence Johnson at Texas State. Yeah. Uh, I got to see him coach Galen Robinson. And uh, you, we mentioned Nigel, who just played for him at Texas, St- Texas State. Uh, mm-hmm. mentioned Ted Allen, who starts for the – Brooklyn Nets, who played for him. And this is when Lowe got into, like, the GM Mark Cuban mode. And <laughs> he went and got him a, a, a Rick Carlisle or whatever you want, insert name here, of championship coach. And I was just so impressed, you know, again, as as a brother watching him, how he carried himself, man. Just so poised, uh, so calm under pressure. Uh, never got too high or low. Never mm-hmm. was about to flash. Just – a professional first-class act. And so when, whenever I found out he got the job, there's a group text with a bunch of them, and I hit him up, and I just remember thinking, like, this dude's going to be really successful. And I don't know how it's going to play out. I pray to God he gets the job and gets to keep it. But I just know his whole – the perception of who he is in his profession is going to be elevated for the rest of his career because people are going to get to see the same thing that I saw. And I appreciate it then. Because I was on the grassroots circle and I've been in the college game, so um, to be able to see that he's gonna have that same approach there. I, I saw him on Alvin Brooks' "Be Ready" call uh, not too long ago, and he was getting interviewed. I mean, the dude is just—he's he, on a different level. Um, so, talk a little bit about him. I know I went on my rant for more than a minute, but not talk good. a little bit about him if you don't mind. I know that's got to be a proud moment to see, because at the time he was working for you, he was in between jobs. I mean, he was at Sanford at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that part about him being a college coach. The more I got to know his story, I'm like, no wonder why this dude – but even college coaches don't carry themselves like that. So talk a little bit about that. I know it's a proud moment for okay. you. I remember I remember TJ – people don't remember TJ when he had locks. He had locks in his hair. Oh, wow. All I know that. <laughs> he had all the way down, Pat, almost down to his waist, man. Wow. So we met each other way back in the days. But uh, – by the time when I saw him, I saw him in Dallas one weekend. I saw him standing against the wall watching us play the Dallas Mustangs. And at the, after I got finished, I asked him, man, what are you doing? He said, nothing. I'm just kind of watching and chilling. Trying to, I just left Sanford trying to look for, you know, something to do. I said, okay, cool. So um, I asked him, I said, hey, man, I, mean, I saw him at another term. I said, hey, man, you'd be interested in, in, in coaching? You want to coach? I'll move out the way. He said, well, I don't know. I, just, I said, man, listen, I've been watching you. Good guy. want to try. I know if you coach with us. You'll get back into college. Yep. So I, you'll get back into college. You get a job. I don't want a college job. And if I, I can slide off to the side to help you, I will. I think he took about another week and a half. He watched us in another term. He came up after the game and said, hey, Lo, uh, I'll do it. 
I said, all right, cool. So when he got in, he was about details. He watched what was going on. He had some forms of great relationships with the guys that he still has to this day. Uh, obviously, that's how he got Nigel when he went up to Texas State. Uh, uh, the, there was an opening at Texas State. Danny Casper had an uh, opening at Texas State. Called, said, you know, rec- at, recommends the guy. The only person that we could rem- I could think of at the time was TJ. He TJ got in. Uh, listen, the thing that happened this past year with Coach Casper uh, is an unfortunate situation. I like Coach Casper. Uh, uh, and I'll be, you know, whoever wants to sit back and say something, I'll tell you, I don't think he's racist. But uh, TJ went through something very tough, difficult at the time, and he was able to maintain that yep. because if he didn't stay there, it was going to look people are going to look at a certain him a certain way, and he stayed there. People looking at a certain way, and we talked through this. And I say, listen, tell me what I can do to help you. Whatever I can do, call AD, talk to anybody, and we've done whatever was necessary. He did pretty much whatever was necessary to maintain his job. And I'm going to continue to do whatever I can to help him to continue to keep that job and to, and to move forward. No doubt. Yeah. And was re- recognized by his peers in a poll um, by Stadium as the uh, top five assistant prior to um, Coach losing his job to the unfortunate. Yeah. So it's not like he wasn't already on his way, but this opportunity, we know how hard the head coaching opportunities are, and he's going to take take full advantage. He's already started 2-0. I think they recently had a game. Maybe they had their first loss. They're 2-1 on the year already, and I think there's only but more success to come. They lost to Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah to, to, to a high major team, uh, SEC team. So uh, we, we look forward to supporting him in whatever way we can, for sure, without a doubt, the whole state. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so this is the last one for the first round of Lightning Round. So fitting in or thinking outside the box, what would you say about just that concept, the concept of either fitting in or thinking outside the box? I think it goes without saying who you are, but what, what's what's kind of your thoughts on that when you hear those things? Think outside the box. Think outside the box. Whatever's going on inside the box, whatever's good up inside of there, take it, feel good about it, but always think about – always – Think about how you can make things better or how you can make a difference in, in, in a different way. Sometimes you sometimes it's not always about thinking outside the box. Sometimes you just got to kind of roll with the flow. But you got to be able to have a mindset where it's OK for you to go against the grain and stand alone and be right against many. And sometimes that's just kind of what that's kind of how I look at things sometimes. No doubt. No doubt. And I, that leads right into our second round of lightning round, which is not basketball related. It's just kind of life. And other things. We'll start uh, the father, Marlon Lowe. So we're going to say Marlon Lowe. And so we're going to say different parts of him. And then we'll go to some other stuff. But Marlon Lowe, the father. Talk about that for 60 seconds. Um, a man a, a man of action, a man of words, a, a communicator. Uh, I'm a reader. Uh, I, I get my kids, to, my uh, our boys to read everything. And I try to read everything that they read before they read it so that I can know what they're about to put inside of their head. Um, I'm a, I'm an instructor. I'm a coach, a life management with my family. And I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a learner. And I, like I said, um, that's, that's who I am with as far as a family, but I, I share ideas with my kids and I allow them to share ideas with me and try to see where they at. I love it. I love it. That's what it's about. Stretching that thought. Um, Marlon Lowe, the husband. Yeah. <laughs> I always try to get better. 
Now you've been married for a while and you have a, a beautiful, successful family. So there's something successful that's there that you figured out, even though you are tra- working to get better. I'm only three years in the game. I'm definitely trying to get better, working to get better. But you're much further in the game. Kids are much older. So you you figured out something. She, she was on the, on the Zoom before we got on, for those that don't know, or on, on the broadcast before. And, again, we know each other, so we chopped it up a little bit. But she, she's always happy around her husband. So something's going right about that. Yeah. Uh, we just made 19 years of marriage. Um, it's, it's, it's great. Um, I think it's about I, – I had to learn how to compromise – more than anything else. Uh, she was very patient with me. Um, I wasn't always the best communicator. She taught me how to communicate. I didn't have I didn't have the strongest relationship with my family that's still up north in Chicago and Peoria. Mm-hmm. And she helped. She has a strong relationship with family. She believes in family. And she helped bring back the bonds with my brothers and uh, my mother and even my father before he passed away. So uh, awesome. it was it was it was I was by myself a long time for years, so she taught me about fam, helped me think about family, the importance of family. So that's what yeah. it is. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Marlon Lowe, the community member, <laughs> not doing, not doing something, but not doing enough. Wishing that I could continue to do more. Uh, I love to be able to have more opportunity to interact and engage with. Uh, 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 youth and uh, even adults of our own age outside of basketball in closed form so we can communi- communicate on uh, movements and how to move forward uh, collectively with uh, aggregated growth uh, and how to support one another. That's uh, the man, uh, Marlon of the community. And that's, that's, I value, I value that. And I, I want more of it. No doubt. No doubt. You even touched on it early before we even got to that. You mentioned that, that very thing. Uh, Marlon Lowe, the coach. Uh, uh, it's funny, Marlon Lowe, the coach. I wouldn't say uh, I'm positive. I'm encouraging. I, uh, I'm about accountability, owning it. I'm about enjoying the success that the individuals have. I love watching other guys, the young guys, evolve and watch them, their talent take off. When they're excited and they see it, it makes me excited. When I'm able to see them grow, that's the best thing that, that, that I mean, what more could I ask for? It's not about me. I've had my opportunity, so now it's my turn to give back. And I enjoy watching everybody grow. Yeah, I think you're great. You've always celebrated your guys' uh, successes, but not in a, uh, in a very authentic way, you know? Because mm-hmm. some guys that coach guys hard, they have a hard time celebrating their successes. And even when you talk to a coach on the phone, <clears throat> one thing about Lowe, you always fought for your guys to be appreciated more when it came to college coaches. You coached them hard and you celebrated with them. But when it came a point in time, they always knew you had their back. And, and that's why you had the bond you did with them, I believe. But college coaches knew they talked to Lowe like you better be ready because he's going to give you some some data, some 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 viewpoints that maybe you're not thinking of. And right. even you to think outside the box and how to tell your boss this kid's value. And again, some people didn't know how to take that because yeah. it, it was almost scary. And you almost you have an ability low. And I'm sure you noticed, but you have an ability to see things that others can't see. So hmm. when you're articulating what you see and they can't see it with their own eyes, it's like, 
well, yeah, that makes sense. But I didn't see that. But you saw it. But then what happens is later on, they see it and they come back around like, low, man. Galen mm-hmm. Robinson didn't really play. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, whoever it is, you know, it's like all these guys that were uh, I, I think you had a stretch low where the guys that signed in a late period for you went on to have just enormous careers. You know, I mean, you can look at some guys even right now. UTSA just picked up uh, Eric Paris, right? Eric Paris mm-hmm. in a prep school. Like you had guys that have just gone. Uh, just think Chandra Jones went late. Um there's plenty of them. And even if they went late in the early signing period, way later than they should have, like mm-hmm. maybe a Nigel, like maybe a Galen Robinson, it's like you saw things before uh, people saw them and you always had your guys back. So I, I love that part, man. Um, no, I talk- appreciate it. I just, I try, with that being said, I, what I try to do is when I talk to a college coach and there's no disrespect, I listen. I listen. Yeah. But when I yeah. see what they're trying to, what they're trying to accomplish, it helps me to see, okay. Where does this player fit in their system? So what I try to do is I, I say, listen, if I'm if I'm gonna help you to get this kid, understand, I want you to win. Right. I'm not gonna give you, I'm not gonna give you a, a player just so I can say, well, we got rid of another guy. No, I want you to win also, which means that if you win, you're gonna come, you're gonna come back, you're gonna trust me, you're gonna believe me. I'm not just trying to let a kid go to somewhere because I I, I can't even really think of any kids that who have asked us, who asked me directly, to, and the families asked me to help, that went on to not play as a freshman. Right. Not play. I mean, they continuously play. So it's important to me. And, I, you know, sometimes I had that tag about being kind of arrogant and cocky, but I don't see. I'm just, I, don't, I don't have that. I, I'm respectful to everybody. I just try to make sure that all parties win in this. That's it. Well, I think that part of the part from – so we've had a lot of these conversations, right, and I've recruited your guys, and I can think back to – What's the dude's name? Uh, I, I can't. Dion. No, not Dion. Um, Begley. Right? Devon. Devon Begley. Begley. Yeah. So was recruiting him a little bit. Had no chance to probably get him. I was at Abilene Christian at the time. But um, another guy who went on and had a lot of success. And um, recruiting, of course, um, Nigel. And we were. I think we might have been the first ones to offer Galen. As a matter of fact, at Lee Camp at Lamar. But yeah. I still had to say. <clears throat> There was a uh, not I, we forgot about uh Jace Febris. He played for you too. He's another Texas Longhorn. Um, but there's a point in time where because you see what you see and you have that passion and conviction, and let's just call it what it is, you have an intelligent way of articulating your thought with that passion. And most of the time in the college coaching ranks, um, a, a coach is trying to sell their player. It may not be as good. Let's just call it. Everybody's trying to push and help their guys. That's what they're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. college coaches are almost apprehensive, like, well, and almost always in that narrative of, like, trying to spin, but not make the AU coach mad, but let me just <laughs> kind of let them down softly. But because you came with such a conviction and a passion and this body of work argument, it was intimidating to people. It was intimidating mm-hmm. to coaches to be able to say, like, well, he says this, but they just couldn't. So I think some of maybe what came across as what some of the words you said was just you were so confident in your guys and you were so good at articulating. It's like, well, why can't I see that how he sees it until later, right? And so right. I think some of that was just again that that intelligence. They probably didn't expect you to have that that kind of a thought about your guys. And I remember, I'm just trying to think of an example to to give people, but like you would have an ability to be able to talk about 
like, hey, this guy's won in this many tournaments and he started in this many tournaments and he's done this. And I bet you didn't know in his high school, he's only lost this many games in his whole four year career. Like you had all this stuff and it's like, wait a minute. I didn't even know that. And I'm the college coach looking at this guy. You're educating me on all this, you know, in the state championship game, he, he didn't miss a shot and, and he was guarding the other team's best player. Like you had stuff that you could just rattle off like that. And, and it was almost, again, it was intimidating to a college coach sometimes for those guys who were the underappreciated guys. Cause you had these guys on your team that were the guys that were considered sexy. But then you had these other guys that you're like, this is the reason why we win. This kid yeah. in four, four uh, different games, and we didn't win any of them. You know, you, you'd have those type of things that you could talk about. So, again, I, I can go all day on that part, but um, we'll come back. I digress. So, Marlon Lowe, the podcast, right? You've been doing podcasts before podcasts was a thing, right? So, mm-hmm. talk about uh, the innovative thought of Think Outside the Box that kind of led to that in, in one, 60 seconds. Uh Related to that, it was a, the summer podcast. I was I used to hear Mar, Maurice Elrod, who started started with me at first with he and Alex Pugh. And Maurice used to listen to Drink Champs all the time when they first started out. He would tell me, I would listen to it, and I, I would get into other podcasts, and he was I'm like, okay. So one day I just started, it wasn't even sports. So one day I was just riding down the street, and I called him. I said, hey, man, I'm going to start a podcast. What you think? You want to go in on it with me? He said, yeah, let, let's do it. So we talked about what it was and came out with that. And, just about basketball. Let's just talk basketball. Let's try to be the the the, the encyclopedia of summer basketball if, we, if we, you could. So that's the reason why we started that, and it was going really good. The, uh, the three of us, uh, Maurice Elrod and Alex Pugh and myself, and it was enjoyable. And it just got to the point where, as you know, you got to keep building. And at some point in time, uh, you can't keep saying the same things over and over. But if for those people that want to listen to it. You go listen to the summer podcast, especially right. the early ones. You'll get a lot of things about grassroots basketball. So, and, and at the time, Texas Pro was, was still sizzling. You know what I mean? Still, yeah. still, so it was a thing that you did both, and it was it was a powerful thing. Let's talk about uh, a little bit uh, of more heavy topics, not too heavy, but a little heavier. Uh, okay. So we, uh, so at the All Access Coaches Corner, before there was a podcast, we were doing zooms. Right, doing all these Zoom mm-hmm. summer and during the pandemic, and uh, I felt compelled and heavy on my heart to to do my part, like you talked about with the grassroots community or the basketball community, to try to bring some more unity during this time of like very uncomfortable. Let's just call it what it is. When right. George Floyd was murdered, it was a very uncomfortable time in our country. Period, uh, with the election coming, and but in basketball, it was also uncomfortable because you have majority of our players who are black at the grass level and at the college level. And it's not necessarily majority of the coaches that are black and mm-hmm. not really at all the head coaches majority that are. So uh, there was a, there was a strong heartfelt, like I wasn't at a school at the time to be able to do my part with those 13 guys. But I saw God put a vision. I mean, like you got to do more to help bring some collective understanding. So, put together this idea to have these social justice roundtables and have basketball leaders in community have these difficult conversations in front of uh, audience. And Marlon came on the first one, stayed through the whole thing. I didn't know if he was going to come or not. I tried to pull his arm and he, he did come on. He was awesome. Had some really strong thoughts at the end. And when I left that, when I said, well, I got to figure out a way to get the grassroots community and the junior college community on this same kind of a platform. So the second roundtable 
we had you as a panelist. Uh, you were phenomenal. For those that haven't listened to it, it's on the All Access Network YouTube page. I'm giving the groundwork to say you have had some very outside the box again, uh, well-read, well-thought-out. Sometimes people may not agree, but it's a challenging thought, right? It's not just the inside-the-box norm, and you're challenging people, whether white or black, to look outside of what is being presented to you and what is being spun to you and what is being, uh, mm-hmm. if you see in social dilemma, any of you, then you yeah. understand there's a strategy behind all of this. And you went beyond the strategy and called light to it and, and, and uh, had the flashlight and, and the spotlight on these dark spots that people weren't even thinking about. I'm like, wait a minute. And then it's kind of like I said about the vision about players. You saw things before people saw them and the next thing you know, they come back like, man, he was right about that, you know? <laughs> so talk a little bit about, and it can be two minutes on this, can be one, whatever you want, social injustice. Just that that concept, that word, what comes to mind, uh, and what would you want to share about just that concept? Uh, in regards to social, social injustice, um, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, such, a broad, it's a, a, such a broad term that it, it's, it, it has so many different vari- variables that's a part of it. But uh, when I think of it, I think of immediately as far as uh, uh, no more victim blaming. Um, I'm thinking when I think about black communities, I'm thinking about, listen, um, let's get out of um, being dependent on other people to do for us what we can do for ourselves. Um, at, at the same time, social justice, don't think about um, that the police are bad because they're not. Um, they they want to go home every night like you do. Uh, we got to find a way to come together collectively so they can understand. Uh, and both sides, the communities and the police can understand how people think and interact. Um, people within certain communities should police certain communities uh, because they're comfortable with certain people. Um, it's, it's, it's such a it's so many different topics that you can you can discuss on this. Uh, it even goes down to, uh, like we said, how did how did the police come about from the beginning? Um, you talk about the difference between conservative conservatism, conservatism and liberal uh, and a liberal libertarian. Uh, uh, it's, it's so many different things. And so one thing I try to remove. Uh, is the the two quote unquote words that people try to use all the time is uh, a Democrat and a Republican. I try to re- remove yep. those two words. I don't like those two words. You know, either you, what are your values? And yep. I, I think a lot of everything when it comes down to that goes back down to values. Who are you? What do you stand for? What would you like to see? No doubt, no doubt. Well said, well said. How would you, if you don't mind me, this is kind of off the cuff, but how do you help your sons? Right. How do you help your sons who are uh, minorities, who are black? How do you help them process this when you have all of this stuff on social media, whatever their friends are saying, whatever the narrative of the news is? Uh, I really just thought of it as I heard you talk. I have daughters. My daughters are three and one and a half. So we haven't had any real conversations yet. You know I mean, there's no they're not even at the thought. So I don't even know what it would be like to have sons that are at an age where one of your sons is driving so again not necessarily be afraid of the police but how do you navigate leading your family of sons 
during this this current time? We we talk, we communicate. It's it's uh it's our time in the morning. I take them to school, and then what I do with take them to school is that sometimes I have certain um, I watch certain listen to certain podcasts. I listen to certain YouTube channels, and that's what we talk about. They'll say, "What is that?" You know, I got a certain thing, and it's called uh, you know Doctor Moonby, and it's just called it's called Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up Africa, and it's funny, right? It's not funny, but it's it's great. But it's a great show, and she talks about different things that goes on on the continent of Africa, and France, and the United States, and everywhere. So they started getting uh, interested into that, and they would sing the sing the uh, hook to it. So we talk about that. I would listen to uh, ninety three point seven. We might listen to uh, the Breakfast Club and if Charlemagne or whatever is going to give somebody a donkey today. We talk about why they got the donkey today, and it's not about whether he agreed about it, but we go by our our thoughts on it. Why do I think that? This person was right, or what do you think about that? And we just share our thoughts and experience. I share thoughts and experience. I, and I allow them to ask the questions without anything being negative. Anything being, there's no wrong question. There's no wrong answer. Let's talk about it. So I want to help them to understand uh, how to express themselves. And at the same time, how I want them to see things or how you can view things larger than what they want you to, to view them. So that's kind of how we are. Yeah, well said. Well said. We're gonna do a quick commercial, believe it or not. I think I got one. Let's see if let's see if I do. We're supposed to. Let's see if we <laughs> see if we on our game or not. But uh do a quick one of these and we'll come right back. Thank you for joining us for the All Access Coaches Corner podcast. We are so excited to continue serving coaches, sharing their stories, and spotlighting their programs. Stay connected as we bring you more special guests and more real conversations covering all aspects of the game. You can find our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at allaccess underscore CC. Subscribe to the All Access Network YouTube channel and join us in the All Access Coaches Corner. Hey, man, that's pretty dope right there. That's dope right there. I like that. Not too bad. We should have hey, did that like every 15 minutes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we add we add some new elements, man. Slowly but surely building this thing, man. Um, yeah, so so we talked about social injustice, some um, uh, politics. You talked a little bit about Democrat, Republican, not liking those words. And, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think sometimes it's almost like the concept of, uh, if you take two hated rivals, right? You take uh, Duke, North Carolina. You take Michigan, Ohio State. You take Texas, Texas A&M. And sometimes, even though they would agree on things because they're heated rivals, they just go with the other side just because they're heated rivals. You know what yeah. I mean? And it doesn't yeah. always even make sense. And they know that they wouldn't really – do that or support that person or or whatever if it wasn't for the color of the affiliation of their jersey or their uniform or their uh alliance and it's just like sometimes i I have to take a step back when i'm having some of these conversations i'm like you don't really think that though you don't really think that you just thinking that because it's that group think mentality this is my team and it and again if you watch social dilemma you can get fed these things into your mind and you only look at one side of the lines. So when you never really have an open mind to see like, okay, 
Like, I hate Texas, and I'm Texas A&M, but you know what? Rick Barnes did do a really good job. TJ Ford is a good player, you know? Yeah. You can't just hate Kevin Durant if you're on the other side just because you're the rival, you know, or you can't. So there's a little bit of that that happens in politics. We don't have to get too far into the politic thing. but So a few, few things before we close, man. Um, okay. We talked about the importance of independent thought in general, but – if you can touch on that. And then who are some of your biggest influences as a kid? You know, obviously you're a major influence to a lot of kids uh, in the community, your own kids, the, the kids that play on your son's teams and all of that. And, and not to mention the guys you've coached, who are some of your influences uh, along the way? And then wh- just what's your thoughts on independent thought in general? Coming up. I mean, are you mean like as a youth or as like during my times now? Uh, probably more so as a kid, you know, as a youth coming up. As a youth coming up, I really didn't have to me. I was um, I was on the streets for a long time during high school by myself. And yep. so I had the streets kind of ran, uh, kind of influenced me a lot. So it really wasn't anybody. But I had a friend. His name's Andre Tucker. His dad was named David Tucker. Uh, saw some talent in me and he wound up taking me, getting me every weekend and doing some things that helped me. Uh, with from a basketball perspective, but um, other than that, it really I learned a lot of things late in life that I wish I would have learned when I was in my um, preteens and teens. So um, my mom was there, but I, uh, she she was uh, in Illinois and wasn't close to me. So uh, we were close to me, but she couldn't be here when she moved me down here. But it was tough. So I really didn't have a whole lot of people. I had three brothers that was incarcerated at the same time. I'm the baby, so she sent me down here with my dad. When I got down with my dad, he stayed with uh, stayed with my dad, my stepmom, and my two stepsisters. I was Cinderella in a sense, yep. uh, so things didn't go well. Um, then they wound up moving back up north when my grandparents got sick. Um, I stayed here. My mom didn't want me to come back, so I stayed here and kind of moved around for the last couple of years. But what it is 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 that part of what drew you to being so influential in kids' lives, you believe, is because of that maybe absence or that challenge that you maybe had growing up because you didn't have those things to plug into? Uh, I, I think so. I, it, it, I'm sure it played a heavy it played a heavy part on it, uh, just knowing that what I missed out on and knowing I wanted to give other people. Like, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of things in life, good and bad. I want. I have a desire to give those who I come in co- uh, contact with the opportunity to experience, to experience the same things I've experienced at minimum, and then try to put them in a position where they can experience even more than me and have a better chance at enjoying life. That's all the things that I missed out on. Yep, no doubt. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so you have a you you've been involved in grassroots. We talked about that story. Uh, you've you've had pros. You've had some of the best players in the city and the country. Now you have one of the best players in the city in your house, in his class. He's one of the best. Whether you like it or not, whether you'll say it or not, people are saying it. We have a, we have a high school, inside high school hoop show uh, that we do with, with my man, Ani um, Umana, out of Dallas. And yeah, great guy. So we do a show on Wednesday mornings, and we talk about the state of Texas, the landscape. We get guys from Houston to come on and the scouts and the experts. We get guys from Dallas uh, and guys from San Antonio. We just talk about the uh, the state of what's going on in, in the state of Texas. And mm-hmm. his son's name has come up more than once. And it wasn't mm-hmm. me bringing it up, you know. So, and I've read about it and I've seen it. And I saw it with my own eyes at Lucas, but 
he's gotten even better from there. So, so what is it like now being on the other side where you are not necessarily grooming someone else's child, but, and helping them manage the recruiting process and the, the lights and the, and the name and, uh, kind of the, the the accolade. What is it like doing that with your own son who's in your house? Uh, and then how do, how does recruiting look different for you now that it's somebody recruiting your son versus a player on your team? Yeah. Um, good questions, man. Good questions. Honestly, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I look at it any different. He is our oldest is coming into his own. He enjoys the game. I think he enjoys the game and has a, a, a decent, good feel for the game because he was always around these kids when we were coming up. He was around the uh, Moutier's, the, uh, the Daniel Houses when they were teenagers, 15, 16, 17 years old, when we was grinding on them and getting the gym and do this and play hard and this and that. So they was two and three years old and they saw it. And so they came up in that. So they understand and he understands what the expectations are. So he's, he's, he's very coachable uh, and he understands that he has to work. So when he look, is able to see those guys on television and, and even just out sometimes that he gets a chance, to, he understands what that their, their work paid off. So he's willing to work and do the same thing. So that's what that is as far as the recruiting part. Um, he hasn't really received any, any calls or any, any, he doesn't have any offers and I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll give you a story that it was kind of tough on him a little bit, though. Like, um, I talked to a good friend of mine about this. Uh-huh. Say it again? He's a junior right now in high school? Sophomore. Sophomore. That's what I'm yeah, 2023. So just to clarify, the phone calls don't normally come in yet. And with right. people not being able to see him in person, that's yeah. probably plays into it, too. But there is – um, as far as the ratings in his city and his class, he's at, he's at the top. So, it's yeah. coming, but keep going. Keep going. It, it's coming, and, and I'm cool with it. So just know that, like, I, but and I, you would think that he know he knows what's how things go. Also, but when he sees people that uh, the c- calls don't come, and it's cool. But I'm just giving you the, the mind of a child. Yeah. So I've I, I, I experienced it, and I had not experienced this before. Yep. Um, the mind of a child, he knows about the recruiting game. He knows about these soft offers. I'm not going to say fake, but he knows about soft offers. He knows about kids that uh, he feels like he's just as competitive as and have, all, have accumulated a certain amount of offers. And so uh, one time he was like, he was talking to uh, his, my wife, and he's like, I don't understand. I'm, I'm playing them doing this and I'm doing that, and they getting this and they getting that. So he didn't understand. He was like, what's up? But he's been through it. So it's like, I thought you knew what it is. But um, I had to talk to him and tell him, listen, you don't it, – I think it's, it's going to be a couple of things. Whether if they don't have interest in you because of me, then they ain't jack anyway. They ain't for you. But at the same time, if they have interest in you and if they respect me, they're not going to give you any soft offer anyway. Right. You don't, they don't, you don't need that. So you want to keep working so that when they, somebody, whoever gives you something is genuine, is authentic. And if you need to take it right there, you could. Yep. So, but that's just the mind of how uh, I hadn't had that experience before with it being in my home. Yep. So 
I went through that one time with him, and I think that he's good. But, you know, he's a worker. He's learning, man. He's enjoying the game. He likes it. He likes the game. And I think the part is probably even cool, too, is, like, you just know as the dad, like, you almost have the cheat code, like, yo, this is going to work out, man. Like, we're going to have this conversation, but we it's going to work out. Like it's kind of comical, but yeah, you have to you have to plug into his feelings and his world and the mind of where he's at. But yeah. no, one, yeah, we we still and, gonna and mama's and mama's feelings, <laughs> right, right, right. Because because let's we talked about some of them. We talked about some of them. I won't keep mentioning the same names, but some mm-hmm. of the guys you had that were seniors, you know, mm-hmm. state, state champion, all state, or had these had the same kind of resumes, uh, same kind of accolade, and hadn't had the offers when they're going into their senior year and maybe only had one or two. And again, we talked about, I, I keep going to Nigel Pearson and shout out to Nigel. He, he may hear this one day and be like, man, coach really was showing me love. It's like, but it's yeah. true. He's yeah. a guy that four years started. He might be the all time leading scorer in the school history. If I'm, I'm not mistaken, he probably is right. He is. Gave, gave, us, gave us buckets when uh, he was a freshman out the gate, he was averaging 15. So, you know, uh, I say all that to say the dude, it almost came down to one. He had one real legitimate offer. Like Lamar, we were recruiting him. And then we took his teammate, Tyron Atwood, who was a really good player at Lamar form uh, as well for us. And, but we couldn't take both. And I wanted to wait and see what else was going to happen. And we probably couldn't have got him anyway. You know, TJ did a great job. And Mm -hmm. I think it was flirting. They may have offered, but wasn't quite the same level as Texas State. But there's a lot of people sniffing around and flirting, but nobody pulling the trigger. And here he is, like, man, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. So I say that you have the cheat code because you know it's going to work out for your son, and, and I'm looking forward to continuing to seeing how it goes. Um, I hope so. in, in with these last ones, man. Okay. got to tell us at least one funny story about bas- – one funny basketball story. Um, what's next for Marlon Lowe? is on the docket, okay? okay. Uh, what's something about Marlon Lowe that people may misunderstand that you would want them to have a chance to understand clearly from you? And the last one is what's the legacy? So I know that was four of them. So I'll okay. recap. Funny story. Okay. Right? Um, what's next that you want to share? And mm-hmm. then what's something people that, that may misunderstand that you would want them to understand? And then what's the legacy? Okay, you got to you got to remind me. I tell you what, funny funny story. I think it was funny for me because I sit back and I laugh all the time. But I was doing I was doing some work back in the days, and I kept I was working for this person all the time, and I kept saying, and it was always it was late paying me quite a bit, quite late paying me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I, I said, but I'm gonna keep doing it because I was trying to be committed to do it. So one time I asked for some money uh, that I that I earned, and I didn't get it. So I was driving home, and I say, listen, man, I need this because I'm gonna ride a gas. I got my baby with me. He's in the car seat, and I'm gonna ride a gas. And he said, um. All right, I'll get to you later. So I said, man, it's cold. Drove home, ran out of gas. I'm sitting back there. My baby's in, in a, in a uh, little trade thing. You roll in the rocket. But I look back. I said, man, I, I, why am I doing this? I'm so silly. I'm stupid, man. And, so, and, and But all of a sudden, I was, it was hot that day, but I just had this shaded cloud, shaded tree over me. Before. And I said, man, I said, everybody in the seat. And I, look, but I turn around where I'm at. And I turn around, and I looked up, and I was sitting outside of the front of the place called the House of Mental Retardation. <laughs> I never went back after that. I left. <laughs> I was sorry for me. He said, man, you tripping. And I got, you know, you got a newborn out here. You can't. Was, I was like, geez, I never went back after that. So I was done. 
You knew the deal. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So next question is, uh, we'll say what's next last. We'll say that one for last. Okay. What is something about Marlon Lowe that people may misunderstand that you would just want to be like, you know what, this is this is really it. You know what I mean? I may be misunderstood on this because let's say Iverson, for example, he always felt like he was misunderstood. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's parts of all of us. I think as college coaches sometimes, uh, I can definitely relate, raise my hand. You know, there's times where there's a narrative that says one thing, but really this is who I really am. You know, so even mm-hmm. though there may be a, a small population of people that have this narrative, this is who I really am. This is what I wanted to spell about that. I think the, the thing about Marlon Law that people understand is the fact that I want you to win. I want whoever with me to win. I'm not about trying to um, to do better than you. I don't. I do, I want you to win. I've got friends that I've, I've helped to get college jobs. I don't. I refuse to have a college job. I don't want one. I've turned down six figure college jobs because I feel like that's just not my passion. I love to be able to work with you. So when I'm working and I'm getting whatever amount of money I get and I see I have friends that's making 200, 300,000, I'm fine with that. I just want to see you win. The same thing when coaches recruit certain guys. I tell you whether he could, whether I think it was a good fit and how he's going to work with you because I want you to win and don't look at it the wrong way because if I'm sending you, I'm telling you how you can fit in your program. So uh, I'm just, I just, I, I enjoy watching people be successful and I want to be able to help others be successful. And that doing that, it's, it's sometimes I'm easily uh, used and it, and it's, it gets tough sometimes. Uh, and my thing is this, I tell people, you can use me, just don't misuse me. A lot of times I've been misused, but it's cool. But uh, I'm, I just want to see people win. I'm not trying to tear anybody down at all. I love working together and building. I love it. I love it. What, what's next for Marlon Lowe? You talked about building. What's next that you can speak on? You don't have to break any news here, but what's I, next? I'm good. I'm good. I, um, I'm, I'm moving to another platform with my summer basketball. Um, I'll be join, I'll be going back to my, another um, original destination that I had with the Houston Hoops. Uh, I'll be a part of their program again, helping them to build and maintain and continue to the great tradition that they had of with the 17s, 16s, and 15s. Um, that's just what it is. I'm excited about that. I'll be able to help in any capacity that I can as a, whether it's a liaison or as a consultant, yep. even coaching. So uh, that's where I'll be at going forward and what's next. And uh, just continue to build, continue to build, hopefully some community building and get some, find some way to get some coaches and kids and let's get to some of these communities and do some things outside of basketball to help them to think and be better than, you know, just on the court. No doubt. No doubt. Last question, man. What, what do you hope? For your legacy, what do you want when it's all said and done and people say Marlon Lowe's legacy was, what would you want to fill in with those words? Uh, a nurturer, a carer, a carer, a person that really cared about uh, posterity, posterity about building for the future, for the generations that have we are, that we will never see, making sure that they're, they're secure and, uh, and protected. And that's what I want. If any kind of legacy I would have, I would want that and make sure that uh, they understand that look. It's about for me. It's about for the future, not for the guys who I see now, but for the guys that, and the girls that I will never see. So yeah. that's what I look forward to. Hopefully, I love it. I love, it. I love it. I love it. Well, I told you guys it was going to be a jam-packed session. It was. Uh, there wasn't one thing that disappointed, and uh, this won't be the only time. I'm sure we'll be revisiting and having more Marlon Lowe. Um, but just so much respect, man. I really appreciate it. It means a lot that you come on 
really does, man, and just open up and tell tell the story because I think more people need to hear it, you know. So I appreciate you taking the time, man, and coming out and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing some more family photos, you know, making that making that model money, you know, with the family and uh, yeah. forward to seeing what your son continues to do and you know, like I said, it's extended family for me. So I uh, appreciate you being a day one for me and always having real conversations, no matter if I was on the high or low or anywhere in between. You know, I always knew you were going to keep it real. And uh, you always picked up the phone, always responded, always uh, gave me the truth. And to be honest, you always had some energy that was like positive, like made me feel like I was somebody, even when maybe I didn't feel like I was somebody. <laughs> Whether I was at, you know, ACU, junior college, Lamar, out of a job, in a job. I mean, you never changed up, man. I love that about you, man. So thanks so no, much. I'll let you have your closing words and then I'll be quiet. Oh, man. Uh, closing words. First, I want to say this, man, because I didn't get this, but I got sent out, send a shout out to my friend, uh, one of my former players. His name is Mike Simpson, man. Uh, played with one of my, uh, on our first Texas pro team. I've been knowing him since he was probably like three years old, but uh, he just got engaged a couple weeks ago to his fiance. They're out in uh, Philly, and uh, I just want to congratulate him on that. And I'm just thankful to be able to come onto the platform. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to communicate and kind of uh, share some things about me that people don't know. Uh, it's a lot easier for us to uh, judge people from the outside, and I'm cool with it, you know, but uh, it's always good to just know that some people give you, will take their time like you're doing tonight or to open up a, a platform and help bring, help people to understand who, who others, not just myself, but everybody else is and how they think and what's important to them. So. Uh, that's who I am. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to continue, hopefully, more years over and over and over again. And just however I can help you in the future, let me know. I know sometime, like you said, uh, you'll send me a text. We'll go back and forth sometime on a text for a three for a little while. And it's always good. It's always good. But at the end of the day, you'll be like, hold on, let me pick up the phone and ask him about this. So, <laughs> you know, we get some thought. We get you put some put some verbiage, some some verbal words to that to that context. And so um I appreciate you for that, man. And uh, I appreciate everybody, man. I don't have any enemies. It's nobody that I just you know I dislike. Uh, just people that I think that I'll have uh we competitors and sometimes if I beat you at something, just look at it like that. Don't look at it as disliking me. Just look at me. You might have took an L because I've taken an L to a lot of people before too. But that don't mean I dislike them. It's still pe good people. So, no doubt. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. Well, have a good night, man. Thanks so much again. And definitely everybody tune in and uh, we'll keep the, keep the great guests coming. And Marlon Lowe, uh, you definitely, definitely need to follow and you'll see more big things out of him. So thanks so much yeah. again. Thank you. Y'all take it easy.